0: Dave Rubin, and joining me today is the author of the brand new book, "While Time Remains: A North Korean Defector's Search for Freedom in North America." My friend Yonmi Park, welcome back to the Rubin Report.
1: Thank you for having me back,
0: <laughs> Yonmi. Last time I saw you was in Chicago, Illinois. You were living mm-hmm. in Chicago at the time, and you opened for me on the "Don't Burn This Country" book tour. We did a matinee show. At the Chicago Improv, and uh, I didn't tell you you had to be funny, but you crushed it. You did like 10 minutes of freedom-loving stand-up comedy, and you crushed it, my friend.
1: Oh, thank you. That was the most fun thing I've ever done in my life. So I'm very <laughs> grateful.
0: <laughs> did you ever think if you would have gone to your life, uh, you know 15 years ago in North Korea that you'd be doing a little stand-up comedy in Chicago a couple years later?
1: I mean, this is a thing, like this was beyond anything that I knew about the world. I did not even know what stand-up comedy was. And for instance, I mean, I thought of Americans as, you know, cold-blooded reptiles, monsters, right? Never knew in my life that I was going to be hanging out with Americans and, you know, make some jokes
0: yeah, it was, it was really just absolutely wonderful. One of the most memorable ones for me. So, so I don't wanna go into your whole story again, which mm-hmm. you have now, not only did you write your first book about, but you've obviously told so many times over. We'll put a link to it down below so people can get a full recap of your story. But in essence, you in a, in a really just unbelievable way, you defected from North Korea, you've, you eventually made it to the United States and really what you're doing now, and I think what this book is about, is really warning people that so many of the signs that you saw in North Korea uh, are happening in the United States right now. Is that, is that a fair estimation of how this book really shapes out?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think most people would get really shocked that you know how dare you compare North Korea to America. And of course, I'm not comparing the living standards are the same. However, the, the tactics The tactics the North Korean regime used to control people and brainwashing was the same tactics that I'm seeing right now in current America. And more and more, every single day, living in Chicago and New York City, I see this country getting destroyed.
0: So one of the things that's interesting is you've described in the past how, you know, basically getting mugged on the streets. That was in Chicago, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then these false cries of racism because the people who mugged you happened to be black women and just all of this sort of nonsense related to cancel culture. But then it really got escalated under COVID, right? Because it wasn't mm-hmm. just silencing people because someone was calling you racist. Then it was really government-designed uh, yeah. silencing.
1: Absolutely. I mean, during the pandemic, as like everything was canceled, I wanted to make videos about the plight of North Korean women, how they're being raped and their organs harvested out in China under Communist Party. And when I talk about this women's plight in China, my videos get demonetized, censored, and get shadow banned, all the social media platforms. And I reached out to Google, like, do you guys not support the Me Too or something, right? That's all about it. Like, right. believe her, believe what women say. And why would they not supporting this women's plight of North Koreans under Chinese Communist Party? And they said, simply, it does not meet our guidelines. And I mean, during the time I was raising two years old toddler, I'm sure now you're being a father, you understand how powerless that I felt mm-hmm. living in America. I thought the best thing that I've ever done was giving my son the U.S. passport, making him to born in the field of freedom. But during the pandemic, when I sent him to daycare, his teachers would make sure that he would wear a mask up to here eight hours a day to two years old, who just barely learning how to run and walking. And then they were opening strip clubs next door and like bars opening. And then they they would lock down the children's playground, but the dog parks were open. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking somehow the dogs have more rights than my child in America right now. they have freedom to go to park and run around under the sun but my son couldn't and i think that's when i really realized how powerless i was as an individual i never thought that i was going to be locked indoor my son would have to put a mask like that and couldn't go even eating in the restaurant like that
0: it must have been doubly jarring for you because having come from a place where people couldn't say what they think and neighbors were afraid of neighbors and everything else suddenly you're confronted with this again what do you think about, was it shocking to you that in a place where freedom is supposedly so important, how quickly everyone, quote unquote, behaved?
1: Yeah, I think in the name of public health, how everybody just lost any common sense, any, any mind of their own. But the thing is that governments, the mainstream media was playing this fear tactic to the people, right? They were just saying how, as if the COVID is the dead, deadly virus and lying to people. And so many children that I had with my son, their mothers would not let their child out for two years inside this like apartment condo. Their child never seen the sunlight in their life for two years. We don't even know what that effect is and how easily people get brainwashed. It's like North Korea during the BLM protests and the looting. My mother visited me in Chicago, and we were just hearing these guns, shooting everything. And then we turned on CNN and BBC and all the mainstream media. It said there was really no violence. It was mostly peaceful Most,
0: Mostly peaceful. That's what they say.
1: Yes. And then we could not go buy the milk because they were looting the grocery stores, literally. Then we could not even buy the milk. And then the mainstream media just lied to American people. And if they were not living in Chicago downtown, they would not have known what we went through. Yeah. And I would have believed in CNN if I were not living in Chicago.
0: Right, so you, you eventually left Chicago and, and made your way to New York. New York's got its own set of problems, but it, it, it seems to be a little bit better than Chicago, right, in terms of that, maybe?
1: Yeah, a little better, but still, as an Asian woman, there's a huge hate Asian crime. Like, literally, whenever I take the subway, I know that I'm risking my own life taking the subway. And why is it so grim, that when I was escaping from North Korea and China, I had at least a place to escape to. That was America. There was a free country there waiting for me. I am scared every day for my son because if America falls, I cannot imagine the world without America. Where would my son escape to for freedom? There's no place left.
0: Is there a weird thing sort of psychologically for you where when you were escaping North Korea, we've talked about in the past, in some ways you didn't even know what you were escaping because you had lived in that cave, so to speak. So you didn't know mm. what was on the outside of that cave. Here, where you see the authoritarianism coming, you didn't expect it here. So I would imagine in a weird way, it's, it's almost worse seeing it here.
1: It's a lot hopeless, you know, it's a, because I now I see the map of the world, right? In North Korea, I did not see map of the world. I did not know what was possible. Now in the world I see with the internet, seeing all the human history and current world, I know what's possible. And America is the best chance we've ever got as a humanity. This is a humanity's hope. This is the best country in human entire history. And if people cannot be happy with America and refuse to defend this country and individual liberty, I mean, there's nothing in the world that is left to defend. I mean, the only thing that is left is evil dictatorships. So that's why I'm so heartbroken.
0: So you write about this, but what do you think it is that that we can do to... Sort of ignite that fire in people. I mean, I'm, you know, obviously everyone knows in Florida mm-hmm. where you just were, and you're coming back pretty soon. I mean, it's here. There is a sense of let's fight for it, but we are losing a lot of the the states at the moment.
1: I think for the people to realize that this is America's our moment of cultural revolution is happening. This is a silent revolution and happening in happening classrooms, in corporate businesses, in the media. It's happening everywhere and we just don't see it and media is lying to us. They are changing entire dynamic of this country where somehow hate speech is a violence, therefore you have no right to speak your mind. And that's not the definition of freedom. People don't even understand what it means to be American and they're Americans. Like I became a citizen last year and in my citizenship test, my interviewer asking me, have you ever persecuted anybody for their political opinion? If I said yes, I could not become American. And that's what Google does. That's what Facebook does, what mm. Instagram does, and that what used to Twitter did. So these people have no idea what it means to be American. They are the running these institutions and brainwashing all of us to believe that some, this authority and rule is somehow better. So I think that revolution really starts within individual liberty, individual responsibility that we need to fight for our children's education. We need to, you know, start going to city hall meetings and show up and demand what we deserve and what free country should look like.
0: How much of this do you think is being directed by China? That they just have so much influence in our tech companies and now in our government and, you know, that, that we know for a fact that Eric Swalwell has had a relationship with a Chinese spy and nobody does anything about it. He's still in Congress. I mean, is is this really just coming directly from China, just having us silence ourselves pretty easy, but easier than invading us?
1: I mean, there... This hijacking by the CCP is everywhere. And Colombia gets money. MIT gets money, right? The big media gets money. Not only that, the when my first book was trying to become a movie, the producer sent me a script. And the script is that China was my promised land. I was rescued by Chinese authority and they gave me refuge. I called the producer like, what are you talking about? This is not what happened. I was a sex slave at 13 and he said... This is the only way we can make a movie in current Hollywood. Wow. And that's when I realized even Hollywood, even just pure entertainment is gone. So we cannot even fathom how much is hijacked by China. And just for instance, education, I mean, healthcare, the media, everything is under Chinese control right now. And I don't think a lot of people understand the gravity of this, this you know, problem that we are facing.
0: What do we do to wake people up to that? I mean, they hear that sort of thing a lot, right? More and more of us are talking about it, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it it seems like it's like just, we can't barely deal with our own government, much less we have to deal with China.
1: I think it's a first thing that we realize, we still have time to go back to the glory of this country. When people meet me, the first thing they usually ask me, like, are North Koreans dumb? Like, why there's no revolution? They can just easily start revolution. Why you guys are putting up with this totalitarian regime? And if you stand up in North Korea, not only you get executed, the three to eight generations of your family get executed. And they do, and they all get, get killed. In America, we are currently don't get executed for saying the wrong thing. Maybe we get censored, we call the racist and bigot, and we lose our job, we lose our dignity but we still, the consequence of standing up is not that as high compared to North Korea or China. So I think for us to realize that even though there's a price to be paid to be free and speaking your mind, I think all of us now do not put up with this uh, PC culture and in classrooms, at work, everywhere. We need to speak our mind and we have to think for ourselves.
0: Can you talk a little bit about how this has sort of affected you politically? Because, you know, we're, we're pretty good friends, actually. We've had many, many meals together and, and shot basketball together and done a bunch of stuff. Um, but I, I, I'm not that familiar with all of your politics. But I'm only asking, actually, because it seems to me you're being embraced by people sort of on the right and being neglected by people on the left, even though the lefties would say, hey, we're the ones for human rights and all of those things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yet in your story, that's not how this is playing out.
1: Yeah, I mean, when it comes to left, their human rights means fighting for free healthcare and free education. That is an insult to human rights. Human rights means like right to liberty, you know, right to happiness and pursue your, your life. But for them, it's all about free stuff from government. And their human rights means, you know, fighting for there are ten thousand different genders they come up with every day. That's what they say is a, in the name of human rights. And what they are fighting for those causes, and that's when I got disillusioned. These people don't even understand what human rights means, and using that slogan every single day, how's talking about women's rights is a human rights. And then for them, what does it mean human women's rights? It's like we have a right to cry in the boardrooms, and we should feel comfortable with that. <laughs> I'm right. I mean, like, do you know there are people, actual women, are being sold like livestock? they don't understand what actual human rights means in the real world. And then the reason I became, they say I'm a conservative. I'm like, I was learning that from reading your book, the first book, don't burn this book, right? Like what it means to be a classical liberal. That's who I am. Like, I i mean, you are gay, right? I'm friends with so many gay people too. And I just live in individual liberty and let them decide and governments should not have power over what people should do and what they think. But being with, believing that somehow I'm a far right wing currently. And it seems that most people within a common sense coming to the right camp because they are the most tolerant camp currently. And I think I fed into that because they accept me. They don't say you've been on a New York Times, therefore you have no right to speak <laughs> your mind. When I go to New York Times, they said that you've been on Fox, we cannot have you. And recently my book just got published with the same week the Greta Thunderbird. I sold way more books than her and her book is a New York Times best selling list. And my book is not, it happened be the first book and it happened Jordan Peterson and we expected that. Yeah. Right?
0: <laughs> you're you're in good company, my friend. For the record, it did happen to my second book. We should have been number two in terms yeah. of sales. They didn't even put us on. You know, I realized, I meant, I sort of half uh, threw away a comment that we played basketball together. I'm gonna have yeah. them, I'm gonna have my guys put the picture <laughs> of Enos Kanter uh, picking you up and you getting your first alley-oop was a pretty beautiful <laughs> <laughs> a, beautiful, oh, yeah. <laughs> a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful moment. Um, but okay, so you're sort of outside of the machine because your story doesn't fit their narrative. Have you found any ways of making inroads with these people? That, that seems to be the new thing, that if there's some way we can save some of them and show them, no, you should be about human rights before women's rights or whatever it might be, that that's the group of people we wanna bring with us right now.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's the hope, right? There are so many people that we can still save and they can still have some kind of logic in them that they can believe that this is, this is not, this is wrong. But in my book, I was writing about how I was invited by Jeff Bezos to go to this like private gathering of American greatest movers and shakers. And he flew me on the same privacy with Harvey Weinstein right before the Me Too. And then, At that heart, I mean, Jeff's event, he gave a speech and everybody stood up and giving him a, like, standing ovation. And the woman accused him in the meet too. She was in the, in the sitting too. And then calling him the man and the legend. Once the meet too blows up, I call them, like, did you guys know that he was actually harassing women? Like, of course we all knew, knew, like, did you not know? The hypocrisy. They only talk about women's rights and Black Lives Matter when it's convenient when there's actual consequences of standing up for like dignity and freedom, they don't do that. And one day I was invited to by Tina Brown by Daily Beast. She invited me to uh, join this private gathering with Nancy Pelosi. And then she was saying in this private, off you the know, record dinner, she was saying she's going to impeach Trump tomorrow morning. Okay. And then she was telling everybody, you know what to do. And there are all these business tycoons and finance people at the same region in downtown, in a midtown in New York City. And that means you need to short the market because market, markets going to go down, yeah. right? If she's announcing that tomorrow morning. And back the time I was married to a trader, I texted him, like, she's not, like, you know, impeach wow. Trump, like, is this even legal? Is it not insider trading information? It's like, yeah, that's illegal. And that's when I understood the corruption. These people are not saying... They are not misled, they know what they're doing. They're mm-hmm. using this ideology to control people and better like their, their position and gaining more power. And that's when I got really disillusioned of the hypocrisy of American elite. They don't care about anything else other than themselves.
0: Do you think we're just kinda fat on our freedoms that you can, you know, wave the flag here, you can ring the bell, you can do a dance and try to get everybody to pay attention, as many of us do. But that Americans, we just, we've all got the iPhone, they've got the, you know, PlayStation 5 and whatever else is distracting them. And that really is the reason that not enough people will ever step up until until it's too late.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. There's a TikTok, right? There's a, there's a social media platforms and all this netflix everything distracting us we're so busy getting entertained by this empty stuff and that is a very toxic a lot of times and people have stopped reading books they have stopped understanding what the meaning of enlightenment and what it means to be an indi- individual so i think the problem is a lot bigger than i think what i see currently and raising a child like it's really scary thing right now currently in america and I think that's why I sent my child now Catholic school and sent him to church. I think at some point it's beyond us. And one thing that I know, whenever there is a communist revolution, the first thing they do is going after religion. And that is very scary right now. How much religion is getting attacked in America and that people have no, like if you are somehow Christian, you are like being bullied, that like you're a stupid bigot. And in North Korea, I know they they killed God and they became God, right? And they became the most evil God. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I just do everything I can do in my power and just have to pray.
0: Yeah, I wanna back up to uh, what you said earlier about living in New York City as as an Asian woman. Obviously, Mm -hmm. I don't wanna play identity politics, but there really is a rash of violence against Asian people. Uh, even when I was there last week, there was a story about a, an Asian woman just being, you know, basically mauled on the subway. Random guy, no, no purpose. Didn't steal anything. Literal, just mm-hmm. violence for the sake of violence. How, how concerned are you? And do you feel like anyone in New York is going to do anything about it?
1: So it happened to me several times. Just some guys come up and just hug me, and I'm just so like you know freaked out. Like I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what if they just stab me and shoot me, right? Like. These people are not even, I don't think even they're in their same mind at this point. Everybody's on their fentanyl and drugs are everywhere. Like it, I used to live in Manhattan, now just moved out to Queens. The, the K-Town is 32nd Broadway. It's a most like Asian community. We don't have drugs there. Mm-hmm. Now there, the drug lords sending, selling these like drugs in the purple wrap. Looks like lollipop. And my son thinks it's a lollipop. He asked me to buy him that. And that's a drug. And there's a cop standing there doing nothing about it, right? They're just standing there doing nothing. And I think this is why I'm just so curious: why Americans are okay with the, their countries being ruined? And somehow there's so much resentment to America in in their mind, in their mind that the Americans deserve to be get dismantled and destroyed. And maybe that's why they're not doing anything. Because if you are, if you love your country in any little possible way you cannot be sitting there and your heart is not broke.
0: Yeah, and then at the same time, they'll gladly take someone like you and throw you under the bus as you, yeah. as you fight to give them the freedoms that they're, you know, in essence, squandering. Uh, do, you, do you find that uh, some of the allies uh, should do more? I mean, what else, what else should guys like me be doing and the people that you are able to connect with and talk to, what, what should we be doing to, to keep fighting?
1: No, I'm I'm internally grateful when I was getting shadow banned and censored everywhere. The locals gave gaming community, right? I mean, now the Twitter got freed, but I mean, you guys did that before. Where like we had no place to go, speak our minds, and it was so, in a way, so oppressive. Like in a country you expected to have a freedom of choice and voices, and we didn't have that. So I think people like you being entrepreneurs and finding opportunities to give people freedom and make things better. I think that's very important. So thank you so much for the, for the lockers.
0: <laughs> trying, trying, you yeah. know. Look. <laughs> I mean, thank you more importantly for everything you're doing. Um, w- what else is in the book that people may not know about either your story or what you're fighting for right now?
1: Yeah, I think that's where people really, really don't understand. You know, it's, it's not like I came to America with the agenda. I didn't know what left or right meant. That's like you know, I did not even know what Americans looked like. Yeah. So I come in here. I was in the arms of the like really liberal left, right? They penguin giving me training. Say don't ever talk about what you think about Second Amendment. Because somebody was asking me when I came to America, what do you think about people owning guns? And I was like, that's a fantastic thing. Because imagine if North Koreans had the guns, I was not going to let them take my father like that. We are not going to let them kill our eight generations of family. Right? you die anyway, you're going to fight your death. There's no country can be ever be that enslaved when they have guns to defend their rights. And even Cameroon in Cambodia, before the genocide, the first thing they did was taking all the guns from the people. So my desire for owning that gun is a a lot deeper than just like some school shootings, right? It's, It's not about that. And people were like, just don't ever, ever say that in public. And they were like, what do you like to say? i like to read, like, what do you like to read? That's like, I love to read the Bastia's The Law, John Stare to me on Liberty. <laughs> and they were like- I can see where yes, this is going, yeah. Yeah, just don't say that. And back then I didn't even know why it was not allowed to say that. And because Penguin, I guess, wanted to protect me before I get branded left, they just didn't want me to do that. And they were keep begging me to write about how hard it is to be a woman. You know, how oppressed as a woman in living life and how America is so oppressed to the black men, putting them in the camps, which is like same thing with the two North Korean, like political prison camp. I'm like, that's not even the same thing. Right. If you go to a political prison camp in North Korea, you don't make it even until three months. These people keep going and keep coming back out. And that's a problem. So... I think that's the people don't understand. Like, I, I was not some like trained by CIA and giving these messages. I was a pure just person coming here and seeing the tendencies that I was seeing in North Korea happening in America. And it's coming from a, I don't know, it's a really genuine place. Like, people don't recognize this pattern because they never seen a true oppression. And I see the same pattern and tactics. And there is a, something called the dictator's handbook, right? And I feel like that's what America is doing right now. They're going through this manual handbook and to how to control full citizens. And they're playing, playing all the tactics coming from every angle.
0: Are you hopeful? I mean, despite everything you're describing here and a sort of shock to mm-hmm. coming to America and, and seeing, a you know, you came in a time when it was, we were in this kind of upheaval. But are you hopeful that we can do the right thing here?
1: Yeah, if we have. If we do fight for our Second Amendment, I think we are never going to be the state of North Korea and China, that's for sure. But I don't even know how many generations can stand the understanding the meaning of self-defense. You know, they think some uh, governments keep brainwashing them, the guns are the bad and there are school shootings, right? That's the brainwashing you keep going through. And eventually, what generation, they're going to stop understanding the meaning of uh, having a gun and give that up. And... I don't know so that's the thing like other than being pessimistic optimistic doesn't really irrelevant I know what's the right thing to do I know I it's my responsibility as a mother to tell my son what I know about the world right that's our responsibility being adult educating our children about the things that we understand so they can go further understanding new things but we have been failing at that we've been failing our children and not teaching them the things that we understand and I think that's why coming from this new generation, believing that they are oppressed living in America and they wanna destroy this country because you know, this country is bigoted and they just heard that from their teachers. It's nothing about based on actual truth.
0: I was gonna ask you to sum this all up nicely, but I don't know that you can do it any better than that. Do you have any final thoughts?
1: No, I mean, that's all. I think, you know, we just have to do the right things. Nothing about being hopeful or being, you know, like like anything about just do the right thing. And that is telling the truth and speaking up against power.
0: The book is What Time Remains, which is just a perfect title too, because there's urgency. There's urgency because before you know it, it's gone. Yanmi, I look forward to seeing you in the free state of Florida sometime soon.
1: Yes, see you soon.